All right, let me clear these. We're not recording right now, are we? I have no idea. Sweet Jesus, I hope not. We are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always awkward in the beginning because no, I'm like good. I'm not a talk show host, and I'm like, oh. Okay. I've never had a camera. The only camera I've ever had on me is like a cell phone. So yeah. Well, it's new. I'm just happy that you came to share your story because, like I said, I'm stepping out in faith in this and. I was scrolling through Facebook and read your testimony, and it was actually something I've never known about you. And I've known you 20 years. Yeah, yeah, at least, yeah. At least or more. Yeah. And I, I never knew that. And you were like, I thought everybody knew this. And yeah. I think it was so brave for you. And I, I think when you reshared it, you were like, Look, I don't usually write a lot on here, so read never, this. You ever. know what I mean? I never post that. So, much. have you felt like it put on your heart that you should share your story? Oh yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's a lot of um, like anytime you have a really big event in your life, there's really two ways you come out. You come out stronger. You come out weaker. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's. I think. I mean, it's maybe it's a little bit genetically, you know, predisposed of what you're gonna you know do. But I think a lot of it is your decisions you make. You know, so for me. By sharing the story, it makes it a positive, uh, you know, um, experience rather than if I just kept it inside and swept it under the rug. What good does that do? You know, right? And it's it's <clears throat> can help somebody else by you sharing your story. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Because you know, I was talking. Someone came on, and her name is Margaret, and she actually battled with cancer also, and she said that. It was very early on in the early 90s, and she said that she saw somebody else who had survived, and it gave her hope. Yeah. And she remembers that moment of, like, seeing the person and giving her hope. So I think people hearing your story will give them hope, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that that's really cool of you to come and to share it. Oh, yeah. I have, I'm, I'm not afraid to talk. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. That's, I guess that's why I assumed everybody knew because it was never really a secret for me. Yeah. But well, I mean, you were a couple years behind me though, I weren't was. you? So and that's I'm probably yeah. Been in my own little world yeah. until now. So yeah. <laughs> that's probably why. Yeah. So can you walk us through like what it was like finding out and, yeah. and for your family and how what what did what was that like? Uh well, I mean, it wasn't just like one day. It's like oh, I don't feel good. It's cancer. You know. Um, the way it started was I just uh, I just. I guess I had a cough. I was a little bit under the weather. And um, I think the first test said it was bronchitis. So then, you know, that was the, they put me and on antibiotics. Uh, 12. I was okay. 12. And they put me on some antibiotics and, you know, it didn't go away. So then it was, oh, it's, uh, it's pneumonia, you know, so that we moved through the chain. And finally, it got to the point where I was only able to take a few steps um, without being out of breath. And from my parents' side, they weren't seeing it because, you know, I'd say, hey, can I go over to my friend's house, you know, and I'd go over and they think I'm out partying. But really, all I could do was sit and play video games. Um, I remember I was at my friend Russell Wiggins house one time and what, during this period and I went to go out with him to go. Walk. He had a lot of property and I made it like 50 yards and, and I was out of breath. Walk. Yeah. And I guess one day my parents saw me like at the end of the cul-de-sac not make it more than, I don't know, 20 feet without having to sit down and catch my breath. And they're like, all right, well, we need to take him in. Um, so at that point, they I think they just took me to the hospital and they did an x-ray, um, and they found, no, I'm sorry. They took me in the hospital and they, yeah, they did an x-ray and found fluid in my lungs. Okay. And one of my lungs was like 90% filled and the other one was like 10 or 15% filled. So then they drained my lungs. Um, and then when they drained my lungs, 
usually they take some you know time to get some results back but the doctor nice enough pulled my, my parents aside and said um you know when we pulled the fluid out it was red and it was supposed to be like a clearish brown and he said the only other time i've seen this was like six months ago and it was a kid that had you know cancer like leukemia or whatever um so at that point we just waited for the doctors to come in and... were you aware of like anything like um, were you scared or no i mean i've always been kind of a perceptive person um you know even as a kid so there were there were some red flags for me like when they pull my parents aside any if you can't say in front of me i'm only 12 but i'm not an idiot if you can't say it in front of me there's probably something that you know you is, don't obviously it's, it's, want me to hear right exactly or needs to be broken a certain way or whatever you were know were you scared um not really i mean a little bit a little bit you know what i'm saying i wasn't like terrified i was more like just reading the situation like, like what's, what's going, going yeah. to figure it out and then there was um a lady that came in this is when i knew it was big right this lady comes in she's actually a, she was a great lady her name was denise and she's a, the child life specialist there so like she kind of helps the kids as they go through this well i didn't know her and she came in the room and she introduces herself to me and i'm like well whoa you know who are you where's my parents they've been gone for like yeah. 45 minutes who are you oh no no i'm just here to say hi blah blah and so immediately i'm like come on th there's something big you know and then then at that point, when they came back in, that's when it kind of like got spiraling and chaotic. A and they bit. told you. Yeah, yeah. Well, what they told me originally was it could be three types of cancer. Um, it was like, it could be, I forget what it was like. Um, but one of, I remember they told me like, let's just say A cancer, B cancer. And the last one they told me was testicular cancer. And I was so, I was okay, I was okay. And they said, no, Jesus, no. Like, <laughs> it's not the testiculars, please. No, that was when it hit me. Um, but luckily it wasn't any of those and it was uh, leukemia. Well, not luckily, I guess, but you know <laughs> but what I'm saying? In my mind, that was... I, yeah, come on, they're just 12 years old. Give them a break. <laughs> give them some yeah, time. Give my boys a break. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, at that point, I honestly think because I was a kid, you're kind of invincible, right? Like, you, I mean, you, you do, understand, right? like you understand death, but it's young. not tangible. Yeah. Like, it's not applicable. Like, you get it. Okay, like we're gonna die, right? And have you ever? Heard, did you hear about cancer at that point in your life? Um, I mean, yeah, like my my grandparents and stuff. Like, I yeah. knew it meant death, but I also, I knew that there was like, there's still a chance. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I know with certain like ones, there's like, still oh, like it die. wasn't lung cancer because that's what my grandpa died from. You know, our grandma or whatever died from. It's not. It wasn't these um, these cancers that I was familiar with. And at the time, um, it was a cancer, I guess, that had like a 50-50 shot. Now, okay. it's, now it's got a pretty high success rate. But at the time, I was on a trial, um, on a trial set of drugs. Um, and, and one of them uh, wasn't, I, I think they were, what did they say? They, they had to let my parents know that it, it's under testing so that they can bring it to you know, the investors, whoever it is, to say, hey, here's our success rate. So it wasn't even really out there. It was a, it was a super trial drug. Wow. Yeah. So I was on a really unique, um, what, are they, what do they call it? Protocol. I was on a unique, a very unique protocol. Okay. Yeah, at the time. And so what did that look like, go, going through that? <sighs> well, originally it was only supposed to be three months, I think, like a three months of inpatient or something like that. But it ended up being like nine months almost. So okay. um, what it was was every time they gave me a chemo drug, my body had a reaction to it. Like, you know how you see the list of side effects, the ones you don't want to see? You could have checked them all off the list. It was like my body did it all. So they'd have to pause the chemo treatments and then 
you know, formulate a new plan, deal with the side effects. So they caught it pretty early on then. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. But the the main the biggest issue I I can't even say biggest issue because there were so many speed bumps. But one of the largest issues was my first chemo treatment, because the first chemo treatment is supposed to basically start shrinking your tumor or at least like stop it from growing. And you had a tumor. Yeah, it was in my chest. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't even mention no. that. Yeah. So there was a I did have a tumor in my chest, and that's what was putting the fluid in my lungs. Wow. When they found it. So um, so the first chemo treatment instead of shrinking or really um, just freezing my tumor and, you know, making it just uh, stop growing, it blew it up. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, and I think it's something, I believe it's called tumor lysis. Wow. And so basically the tumor particles spread through your body and start shutting down all your organs. So that's when I had liver failure, kidney failure. I went into a coma. From from my understanding, my mom and my you dad were there during so the day. You say it so, like, casually. It's hard to, like, it happened register. So fast. It like, wasn't like, like me, like, That's when my, you know what crazy. I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's just, like... So, so like, well, yeah, that's when my organs were shutting. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I well, just one, like, I've told the story probably like a trillion times, so I that makes know, it a little bit like, easier. I know, but it's just like to me, I'm like, wow, like I, 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 I empathize for you so much to have to go through that at such a young age because my kids are getting a little older now, and I look at them and I just think, wow, like the the medicine made it, you know, like yeah. that, like what a. I, how how did you how did you cope with that at 12 years old? See, the thing is, I think you're thinking of it as a parent now. Yeah, right. So really, what you have to do is pity my parents because that's what right. they went through. For me, again, I was invincible. Like, yes, I knew what I was dealing with, but I'm like, let's do it, let's do it. It wasn't until like the end of Thank the nine God months in that, there that like right? my spirits were broken. You know what I mean? There was they a time, were but at the end. yeah, God designed me with like a let's go. Uh, let's go get let's it, you know, it. let's fight it. So, and I still have that now, but I mean, even more so as a kid, when you're like, let's do it, I can do anything. You know what I mean? Let's get it done. Yeah. So like, it was scary. Um, but that first part, the reason that comes so easily is like, it happened so quickly. It wasn't like over days and days. It was like immediately my body shut down. Like they, my, my mom and dad were there. My dad had, to, my mom would stay with me. My dad obviously had to go home and work. So my dad would go home, and I think my dad had like just made it home. So it was probably nine. What time does the hospital close? At eight for visitors. So I nine, he gets home, you know, and then he gets a call like, "Hey, you need to come back. We don't know if your kid's gonna make it." So it happened like that. And from my understanding, a team of doctors, like five doctors, had to get together and say that without a certain drug, I would die because it was a very rare drug. Um, and so, uh, as soon as they gave me that drug, it kind of started reversing things. So it was a pretty, that was a pretty good start. Did you guys have, um, like, did you grow up in a home that was, like, faith-filled? Like, were your parents um, believers? Yeah, we, we went, I mean, yes. We went, yeah, definitely believers, and we definitely, you know, were church attenders. Um, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't a life consumed by it. Do you know what I mean? But right. it was definitely rooted in it, for sure. Do you think that helped at all? Oh, for sure. I mean, one of the largest, I think one of the greatest contributors to me surviving... Um, is was definitely you know prayer across the country at Did that time. Did everyone pray oh, for Oh yeah. You? Well, I was when it happened. I was actually in Foundation Academy right you here. Right were? here. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. And the only reason I didn't fall behind a grade is because I had to teach a third grade teacher, Miss Mongan. 
Okay. And she would come and tutor me because at that point no I was in fifth way. grade. She would come to the hospital and the, and the school was nice enough to say, hey, he doesn't have to do all this. Just give me the bare minimum to get by, you know. Wow. And I never, I didn't have to miss a grade. And I was in the hospital for nine months. And, and she I didn't would miss come? It. Yeah, she was wow, awesome. Wow, what yeah. a godly woman yeah, and committed. Awesome. That's pretty yeah. cool. And I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, how, how, how much more, how much harder would it have been? If I had to then, after doing that, go back We're and now I'm a year wing. behind. You're I'm right. not even with my friends anymore. And right? so like, let's talk about the prayer across the country. Tell me more about that. Well, I mean, I had all of the people from the school. They're reaching out to all their, you know, friends and family. To pray yeah. for you. Yep. Anybody on my, you know, anyone from my dad's office, family members in North Carolina, family, you know, friends in Oregon. Boy, you are covered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they say two or more, we're on the more side. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely on the more side. Wow, yeah, that's it was pretty incredible. Yeah. And I mean, it was a constant flow of it. It wasn't like in the beginning you you get these messages or I mean, there wasn't there wasn't really much internet and cell phones back then. So there's letters. I was getting letters and cards, you know. There's a little boy I follow on Facebook. His name is Malcolm, and he's I know him. Yeah, yeah he's and my, I he's pray my friend's for him. nephew. Yeah. I I don't know him, but I'm praying for yeah, him. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's doing really well from my understanding. He actually just went to um Hawaii. It looks like from Facebook and played like a golf tournament and everything. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I I just think it it's amazing. I'm in a mo I'm in two moms and prayer groups because I realized when I had kids, man, I better get good at prayer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we pray for for other families like that we don't know and it's really cool to sit and talk to somebody who like had that network praying over them, oh yeah you know oh and yeah it really changes everything I oh think, yeah so yep and it's very powerful um you know there was uh, my mom told me a story one time I guess when when I first got sick like they just found out my mom prayed and was like you know god please please let everything be okay please take care of my baby uh, and she heard a voice that said, everything's going to be okay. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And the voice said, no, uh, you know, thank you. And she said, thank you for, you know, saving him and not letting him die. And they said, I didn't say he was going to live, but I said, everything's going to be okay. And so that was like really hard on my mom. Um, I mean, going through the whole experience, not knowing, uh, hearing a voice like that. So, I mean, prayer strong. Obviously, you're getting answers. She, she she thought it was an angel. She didn't think she was like hearing from God, but she did feel there was some sort of angelic um, feeling to it, if you will. So that's kind of tough. If you're looking from the parent's side, if a voice says, hey, I didn't say he's going to live, it's planting even more of a seed of saying like, hey, this this could be the end. So And how did, so how did she walk through that? I, psh, I have no idea. I didn't even find out about it until psh, maybe ten, ten, eight years ago. You know what I mean? Like I was an adult by that time and she doesn't really like to talk about it cause it's tough on her to think about you know so i don't really know i mean i don't know how any of my parents made it through it really. or my brothers i have two brothers i don't Are know they how they uh, one younger one older yep so i mean it's it, everyone reacts differently to this kind of situation right um and and we're all just different people so you know, my mom had to sit there, not had to, my mom was able to be with me every day, you know what I mean, and, and support me. My dad had to go to work, so he has to go to work, not even know what's happened to his kid, you know, yeah. could get a phone call at any moment, come back up. That's tough. My brothers, they don't even know if they're going to see their, you know, brother again. Like, it's just, it was just a tough situation all around, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's, there's no denying it. 
but I mean, I think what, I think we did pretty pretty what, damn well. What would you say, like, to a family that would be walking through this now? Like, if you could, with there's a light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Like, there's just hang in yeah, there. hang in there. And not only that, like, one of the things on I mentioned on that post is, and I truly believe this is that like we're all kind of like clay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the sense that like. We're, we're just being molded through life. But then we go through, and just like clay goes into a kiln, right, to get hard, like we go through fires in life, you know? And sometimes sometimes those pieces crack. Sometimes they're weak and they crack and they break and they don't make it. But the ones that do make it, they're strong, they're hard, you know, they've taken true form. How has this made you strong? Uh, first off, every single day, like even a bad day is a blessing. Do you know what I mean? Like I should have been dead at 12. So like what what's a bad day? Tell me like that. Even if you have, even if you're upset, even if you're depressed, right? Is it not a miracle to feel an emotion Alive at all? To like, live. yeah, what the heck? I mean, so yeah, just every life day. is, you just every, view it as yeah. such a gift. Yep. I mean, I'm to the point where I don't even kill spiders. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm truly that, you know, that verse, there's a, there, there's a time to kill and a time not to kill. There's yeah. Time, most of the time, there's not to kill. I'll kill if uh, I have a to. A mosquito, I do cockroach, kill. Cockroach, you're dead. Oh, I don't even kill you're sa- that's a That's a satanic animal. <laughs> Besides For that, mosquitoes I will slap. Oh, mosquitoes, yes, yeah, especially you're if you're on my baby. Yeah, yeah. you're not gonna you mess with. If you're gonna hurt no. my kids, yeah. then I'll pull I'm... your legs off and let you watch. Yeah, no. But life is just so precious. It is absolutely, and every day is a blessing. And um, on top of that, I mean, if you make it through things like that, and it wasn't just that. Like, I mean, I had. Uh, bone marrow biopsies monthly. I had spinal taps all the time because that's where they're checking to see if the leukemia cells are back. You know, I had. One of the chemo drugs they gave me was a shot in both legs, and it was called um, it was called L-asparaginase, and I had an allergic reaction, and got a blood clot in my brain, so then I had to like stop chemo, go on high dose Coumadin. Um, so you've taken a lot of drugs. Oh yeah, that's why I don't even take Tylenol if I can. Like I, just yep, I don't do anything. My body's had a lot. So how many? Like I know. You said like at 14, you kind of came out of all of this? About 15, yeah. 14, it, was, it, was, 15? it was about three years, yeah. Okay. And so what was that like trying to like re-enter like being well, 15? Like you're still invincible. No, but, no, like, not at 15. At 15, it's like, what do you expect? Everyone's jerks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like everyone's, yeah. like you've got, you're like, yeah. I love life. Yeah. And then there's like this 15-year-old. And it's, like, well, it's also like you don't fit their mold of like normal, right? Because you have to think when I came back, my hair was just coming back in. So it was like, and my hair sucked really after it came back. I had like a super thick head of hair. When it came back, it was just like thin and fine. It just wasn't the greatest hair, right? So it's just coming back. I was just getting off a high dose, um, steroids high dose prednisone Ugh. which makes you retain it water makes, i'm talking and like it makes you irritable oh i was like i was like ovulating all the time basically yeah. whatever you know what i mean like it was I, the worst so i suffered from like pneumonia like i was Ugh. hospitalized several times as a kid and i have been treated with steroids my whole it's life the worst. and especially in high school like I remember being on high doses of steroids and like a teacher saying something to me and I'm like a sweet, nice person. Exactly. But wanting to snap. Yep. Like it created like a little angst yep. and rage. Oh, you yeah. know, That's so like funny. right. My best friend Brian, he's he's actually I think the only one I hang out with still to this day who's been through all of it with me. Like really? yeah. And from th- when you were talking- not right when I was diagnosed, but shortly after we met through a, a missionary friend of ours who's in Africa, but he came back every three years mm-hmm. and we met actually because I was giving him a snake. I was like, you know, anyone <laughs> who wants a snake? And, snake yeah. Buster. But um, but 
he's been through it and what was really funny is he knew he knew that that's what was causing it but we'd be together and we'd just be talking I'd be like shut up Brian <laughs> and then we just like oh, go back to normal. it's just like like you said it's a moment of just like anger and rage it is yeah. it's crazy and I was on really high doses so I was like retaining lots of water mm -hmm. so I had little hair you know I, I was swollen so I mean people would call me like Uncle Fester and things like that like you would just but the thing is when you've come through something like that one another gift about that is that you just learn that other people are they're ignorant. Do you know what I'm saying? Like right. they don't understand. Like, like they're, yeah, so, they're living on like yeah, a different playing field, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, if I was just nor living my normal life and I didn't go through that, and there were people calling me names, maybe it would hurt more. But I just did something that, like, you have no idea what you're talking. Right. You right. Can't, uh, you can't even scratch the surface. You just surface. like danced yeah. with death. Yeah. I have like someone in my calling spine you Mister yeah. Fester is like, bro, yeah. I just danced with death yeah. and I came through like exactly. Mister Fester. Like, yeah, it rolled off. But that's also what's helped you know for me into who I am with I'm confident in who I am you know like if I don't feel convicted from God on something I don't change like I I love who I am you know and I understand that not 100% of people are, are gonna like me but right. majority seem to so do you have a, a prayer or a bible verse that you is like your go-to or a story like is there something from like God's word that helps you to um, think about well I think one of the verses I've always even before but I, obviously it was only, you know, only made more you know, solid at the time was uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So, Jeremiah yeah, 29, 11, I, didn't, right? I didn't remember which, yeah. but, but I mean, just the verse itself, you know, plans to prosper and not to harm you. So when you're going through these times, you're like, it's going to be good. His plans are to yeah. prosper me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So, and then I'll tell you, we might as well talk about it. I did. I, one of, one of the, another um, speed bump, I guess you had to go, I had to go through through the thing was, through the whole process was um, I did meet another friend when I was in the hospital. His name was Paul Turner. Um, he had a more aggressive form of cancer. His was uh, AML. So it's, I don't, I don't know where it's at these days, but at the time it was almost guaranteed needed a bone marrow transplant. Okay. Um, so we were great friends because we were both in the hospital for a long period of time. Wow. So, and what a companion. Yeah. And, and to, I, I mean, for sure. And I think, I think the biggest thing is that you, you really need someone not like, an adult who's like, I love you, or a doctor who's like, oh, this is gonna sting, right? Like, I get like you know something. Yeah, you. yeah. So uh, I did. I got to meet him, which was a true blessing. Um, but unfortunately, with his, he actually got the bone marrow transplant, and then I, towards the end of the whole process, because they have to like isolate you, because uh, you know you're. They basically drain yeah. you of white blood cells, right? Right. And put in new ones. Your body has to. And take you're in to complete it. isolation. Complete, yeah. Um, and he, I, he, he almost made through the whole thing, and um, I, there somehow an infection got in his line, uh, and and I think from there it was just downward. An yeah, when you have no immune system, do you know what I mean? How do you fight it? So that that actually took Paul, um, and that's another thing that really does encourage me every day. Like I kind of feel like I have two people to live for. You know what I mean? I know that's really hard for you to talk about. Well, it's good to talk about, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I honor him as much as I can. I try to live my life every day, you know, in a way that he'd be honored, which we all make mistakes. So that's going to happen. But um, but I even have a little son. His name is Turner. So kind of like second chance. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's good. It's just rough to talk about, you know. You have that survivor's guilt, really, I think is what it comes down to. The end is like. You know, any times I lay down at night and think, why me? You know, Paul was greater. But 
God has his reasons. So you just have to like go with the flow, you know? And the reasons maybe yeah. we don't know. And, and maybe, I think maybe Paul's so... reason was to meet me and like get my ass in gear. You know what I'm saying? Like kick me into overdrive. And you what know. What was Paul like? He was actually so different than me. Like, really? he, yeah, he was a little bit more quiet. Um, we loved fishing. And it's like he lived on this little canal. So we'd always go over there and fish. And my mom and his mom would talk, which how great is that? That yeah. they have somebody, you know, like those groups are great. Yeah. So like it was a it was an awesome, awesome you catch relationship. bass or catfish? Oh, yeah, bass. I mean, we catch whatever, but bass whatever. was our thing. Yeah, I still, I mean, to this day, like I love bass fishing. But um, But yeah, we'd always fish when we were in the hospital. I don't even like sports. I used to watch uh, I basketball. I, I don't, don't care about sports. I mean I'm outdoors. I like basketball. I used to love it. Um, but we were in there and we just like, he, he was a, a big FSU fan. Okay. And so I was like, well, I like Gators because I'm an outdoors person. <laughs> so let's go Gators. So we'd always like, like they wheel each other in our rooms and... and we'd always like watch games together. It was, it was like, I, when I, I don't know if you recall, but I said one of the things I attribute, one of the greatest things I attribute to me surviving was prayers. The other one's really Paul because, like, I needed that crutch. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was, he was like an anchor for me then. So, like. We got to be so grateful for Paul. Yeah. Right? Every day, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really hard. Um, and I think it's something that you just hold the space of it so beautifully of feeling the grief and the sadness of losing him, but you also hold the space of being so grateful for your life and loving life. And yeah. I think that's beautiful yeah. because I think a lot of times Thank we you. feel like in the world we live in, it's hard to, to, to hold space for all of these feelings at one time and in one place, you know what I right. mean? And you do it with so much grace. Thank and, you. And I think so many people are going to be able to relate to that. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, that. and I've heard people say that. I had, you know, somebody share their testimony of their daughter who had a heart transplant. And she struggles with the fact that she has somebody else's heart. Yeah. And why did that person have to die for her to live? So it's something that people walk with and struggle with. And I, I think it's so brave of you to share that. Thank you. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you for yeah. doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I don't share it, I feel like. That's doing a disservice and little to Paul, Turner. too. Yeah, oh, and Turner's the best. And he's a miracle because when I was on chemo, it was like 12 to 15. Do you know what I mean? So it's like those puberty years. They At one point, they told me, we don't know if you can have kids. And then they said they could they could test to see if I was sterile. And I, I was like, all right, just thinking, that's, that seems like it's going to be a simple test on the surface, <laughs> right? If they want to stick a needle in you. <laughs> you again with the I testicles. I said, you know what? <laughs> we'll figure this down the road, you know? So, like, I went in. I had accepted the fact that I may not even have a kid. Like, I may be shooting blanks, right? Mm -hmm. I'm shooting 50 cows. <laughs> I'm afraid to sneeze on my wife at this point. I won't, I won't even sneeze on her. Yeah, but he's a little miracle baby. Like, he's the happiest. Like, I was, I was kind of a trouble kid. I was hypersensitive to touch. So um, if, like, I was very upset and you went to hold me, I'd get more upset. So I, I thought karma was going to come back and get me. Turner is perfect. He's really? the best. Yeah. I almost thought about keeping him from daycare and bringing him in, but he would have been chaos here. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to do uh, that it's to insane. make those choices because yeah. I'm like, I, know. I don't want it, like you to go to school yeah. and hang out with you. And then I'm like, okay. Yeah. But it's really hard to do both things at once. Absolutely. <laughs> but I saw you at the science center with him, and yes. you can tell that you're just such a proud dad oh. and such a good dad. It's the you have a beautiful best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, for sure. And I did want to tell you one thing earlier when you were talking about 
how you can like make impacts by like telling your story or whatever. I used to work at Roy's on yeah. yeah for a long time, and um, there was a family there, and you can tell somebody that's on chemo, right? Like once you've had it, especially like you know the loss of hair, or, like just the way they look, and I could tell like their daughter was on chemo or whatever. So I went to the bosses and said, I'm gonna take care of their meal. Like just we'll just do my discount and I'll take care no of it. No way. Yeah, but I didn't want it to be. I wanted it to be like anonymous. Okay. But then I guess they asked the server a few times, and he finally just said me, and I held the door for him at the end. And, and I just told him, I said, hey, like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? Like, I went through it big time. And, man, if you wouldn't believe it, like, three or four months later, they sent this beautiful card. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll send you a picture of it. You'll, yeah, you'll love it. But it just it. was, it was yeah, it was just beautiful. It was, if you're going to put it on here, I, I yeah. won't describe it. They can read it. But it's, like, it's still on my fridge, and it was from, like, six years ago. That's it's pretty awesome. cool. And it's like, you know, like Margaret said, like she saw that one person that gave her yep. hope and you were yep. able to give that girl hope. Yep. And I mean, Jesus died to give us hope, yep. right? I mean, that's the hope I hold on to because I don't know how I would get through the day if I didn't have the hope of Jesus in my life. Because you look at the world, the news, the, everything, and it's just, it's a dance with death, yeah, right? I absolutely. mean, and, and, and the hope is where everything changes yeah. for us so yeah and i think sometimes it's like hard to see god and man uh you know people be like well why did god give you cancer right like right. that's a question 100 percent. but that's not how i feel like god didn't give us cancer you know who gave us cancer man because we pump hormones into our food we you know spray pesticides on like we do we cut take shortcuts in everywhere we have cell phones that give off radiation you know what i'm saying like man created cancer so I'm dealing with something that's man-made because we're sin-based and God's just there to turn it into a positive thing or to a negative thing. Yeah. yeah. So if I bundle it all up and I just hide under, a, you know, a rock, that's nothing. But if I use it to tell my story, like, you know, I it's just feel crazy like. It's crazy because, like, it's just, you know, this whole thing is really like a redemption story, right? Like yeah, God's sure. redemption story, your redemption story, Absolutely. my redemption story. and. It's crazy that you say that because you look at it and you're like, well, man causes these problems. And it's amazing how God can use man to heal each other, to, you know, to make these medicines. That oh, yeah. Can, you know what I mean? So it's just a cool way to look at like, like hold space for all of it. Absolutely. Really. So is there anything else you'd like to share? No, I think that's it. Well, I really appreciate you yep. coming and doing no this, problem. man. <laughs> we're no like problem. bonded now. Yep. We're good. Oh man, that was awesome. So now I have to do a cheesy outro. So don't okay. judge me. Do no, I stay? You stay here. Oh, okay. But I'm just warning you because I get really uncomfortable about it. All right. Welcome to my whole day. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, Michael. no problem. You're fine. <laughs> and thank you so much for sitting with us and hearing Michael's story. Please comment how it's impacted you and we'll see you next time. And there it is.